mobile phones, laptops, tablets, and everything in between. This is Sean and Sean, and you're listening to the Silicon Theory Podcast. Greetings, fellow tech seekers, and welcome once again to another episode of the Silicon Theory Podcast. I am Sean, your host and moderator. With me, as always, Sean P. No more G6 stuff, right? What? No more like a G6 playing in this episode. You know you want it. I want your promise right now. You know you want it. I'm leaving the room. Fine. It's happening. All no right. more Far East movement jokes. <sighs> Thank you. All right, we can proceed. Very good. Let's talk about the rumor roundup for March. We've got a lot of stuff going on, and a lot of it's really, really interesting. So let's do some quick hits and talk a little bit about what probably will be very high on my list, and that is the rumor surrounding the Google Pixel 2. Mr. Rick Osterlo was interviewed recently and came out and had some pretty interesting things to say. What do we got? Well, for one, he confirmed that, yes, there will be a Pixel 2. I think that's not a surprise to anyone. The first one was a critical and commercial success in a lot of ways. So Shocking. Um, not surprised that they're going to come to town again. Um, a couple other things. Still going to be premium. So for anyone who is expecting it to be a lower-end phone, uh, sorry, you're going to have to drown yourself in your own tears. Uh, although there are rumors that Google is uh, developing a lower-end model kind of concurrently. But it, that was followed up shortly thereafter with reports that even if that does see the light of day, it won't be in the United States. So this might be like an Android 1 type situation where it releases overseas. Um, I guess we'll have to see that. Um, there was also a leak that you know someone was looking at some code and it seemed to indicate that Google may show the same courage as Apple and kill the headphone jack. Um, we're pretty early on for this. There was a million leaks saying that Samsung was going to kill the... Galaxy S8 headphone jack too, and that turned out to be completely false. I think in development, there's a lot of things going on, so there probably are trying prototypes with both, but uh, to say that you know it's confirmed one way or the other seems silly, but it, it does seem like it's something they're evaluating. Um, also, there's a leak saying, you know, there'd been a leak saying that, sa- that Google had been considering maybe using some kind of custom CPU architecture, and uh, apparently there's been prototypes kind of seen on various forms with both Intel and uh, uh, Qualcomm chips. So this may be something, again, where Google's probably experimenting to dip their toe in the water. Uh, Considering this will be their second kind of, you know, mainstream release phone, I think it's probably unlikely we'll see a custom chipset this year. I could be wrong, but I expect that we'll probably still see a Qualcomm chipset this year, A35 or maybe the next variant. But it it does seem like they're serious about trying this out. So... um, uh, that's another thing, um, and I think that's basically kind of it for the time being. Um, I don't. I think Rick said his exact words were, "Our business has an annual rhythm to it, so you can expect that we will follow that cycle." Considering that this is really just the first Pixel phone that's ever been produced by Google in conjunction with HTC, uh, I think there were a lot of people that were worried that it would kind of be a one-off side project for Google. But it sounds like, from what Rick is saying, that the Pixel line will continue, at least for the foreseeable future. And I agree. I think there were some folks who said that maybe the revival of the Nexus brand might be this lower-end device that would be a little bit more of affordable from a, you know, a, a Samsung and Pixel and Apple standpoint. But I think really uh, that probably is something that Android One, which is the lower-end or more affordable market that Google reaches out to in different countries outside of the United States, I think that's probably what we were talking about. I surely hope that Google has less courage 
bridge than Apple because I really do like my headphone jack. But I am also really looking forward to the Pixel 2. Hopefully, aside from shrinking the bezels and maybe giving it an IP68 rating, that's pretty much the only thing that I'd have to complain about in terms of the Pixel 1. So if they can fix that, I think we're going to be in really good shape. Hey, Google, if you're going to copy anything <clears> from <throat> Apple, instead of releasing a you know low-cost Nexus or something, Keep the Pixel around, the Pixel 1 and the Pixel XL, and sell them for less. That way Google, you know, fanboys or fans or whomever can still get a hold of a less expensive device. You can still have your super premium new offering every year and uh, have the lower end ones at, at a price discount. And I think that would solve a lot of your problems. I have a feeling you won't do that. You'll probably phase out the old one as soon as you bring the new one in. And, you know, I, I think we've seen there's been obviously some kind of manufacturing ramp-up issues when we had those super long delays. So it may just be one of those things where working with HTC, depending on what OEM partner they go with this time to actually make the thing, it may not be feasible to keep the old model alive from a cost standpoint. But, you know, I, I think Apple has that model right. Um, keep the old one around, sell for less. You know, that, that way people still have a crack at it. And the Pixel and the Pixel XL will still be, based on what we've seen this year, very competitive devices. So if they dropped, you know... $300 each or something from where they're at now when they bring out the new one or $200, depending on what the case may be, the pricing would have to make sense. I, I kind of like that two-tier structure if they can make it work. And I think that there will actually be a lot of people who probably will be able to get their hands on a Pixel 2 a lot sooner than they were able to get on their hands on a Pixel 1. So that would be a good thing. Take note, Google. We've got some other interesting stuff from Xiaomi, whose Mi Mix last year caused a lot of waves with their basically uh, all-screen display, and uh, sounds like the Mi Mix 2 is scheduled to come out. What do we got on that? Yeah, the rumors are fast and furious on this one already. It looks like um, this year it was an LCD screen, a 1080p LCD screen on the Mi Mix, and the Mi Mix really kind of ushered in this kind of bezel-less design and, and the rounded corners thing again that we're seeing now on the G6 and the and the uh, S8. So they get a lot of credit there. Um, the rumors are that next year's model, in no shocker, will improve on the previous model. Uh, it'll probably move from LCD to AMOLED, it sounds like, and that will allow them to have kind of the curved sides, which will get rid of the side bezel even more. Um, as you said, they're talking about a 93% screen to bezel ratio. Xiaomi's numbers are always high. GSM Arena did a really interesting breakdown. I think the original one actually ends up being like 84, 87% or something. So it's less than what they say. Uh, that doesn't mean it's any less impressive. It's just kind of a way of measuring things. But uh, the Mi Mix 2 looks, you know, interesting. It, I, I almost, I think I prefer Samsung and LG's way of dealing with the small bezels, to be quite honest. I actually like Samsung's the best, where you have a symmetrical top and bottom bezel, and you have a top bezel where you have all the required sensors and everything embedded. Um, the Mi Mix, they do this kind of, you know, there's no earpiece. So what they do is they kind of, it transmits sonically, I think, through your, like the bone of your ear or something through vibration type deal, but... There's some downsides to that. I heard the reception was not quite as good as other phones as a result of this. And um, I'm excited to see what they come up with. I just don't know if this solution of just having this tiny small bezel and then no top bezel is a better solution than what Samsung has where you have two equally tiny bezels, top and bottom. LG's close, but the bottom bezel on the G6 is larger than the top, which kind of sets my OCD off. But um, Slightly asymmetrical, yes. Yeah, I I'm excited to see what they come out with. Uh, Xiaomi's had a, they had a bad year last year. They kind of, they were the darling company where their revenues were going up every year and they were selling out, especially in China, all the time. And, you know, 
every piece of press that I read was good, but last year their sales were down. Hugo Barra left the company. Um, I think he ended up at Facebook, Facebook if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, and, and they kind of had a rough year, so hopefully they kind of reinvent themselves. The other thing for them is they've been talking about getting the U.S. market now since 2014, I think, and they still have no presence here whatsoever. So again, as cool as the Mimix 2 is, if it doesn't support any of the LTE bands in the United States, it's kind of a moot point. It's just kind of one of those things that you see online and you may dig it, but you're never going to actually use or buy. So, you know, I want to see the improvements they're talking about. I would love to see them actually include U.S. bands and start releasing phones here. would be interesting. Again, Xiaomi is one of these very large companies that doesn't really have a foothold or a presence in the United States. And if they want to be truly considered a a global player in this market, then cracking the U.S. nut is definitely going to have to happen at some point. So, um, famed internet leaker Evan Blass, otherwise known as EV Leaks, had some very interesting stuff to show us about the new HTC Sense. I didn't see much on this, Sean, but what was it? So, okay, we, we've talked about this a couple times now. There was this concept video released last year, I want to say October-ish, the HTC Ocean. It was a phone with no physical buttons, and it had a touch-sensitive bezel. So on the sides of the phones, you could you know raise the volume in theory by flipping up or flipping down to lower it. Um, tap it to, you know, wake the phone up, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, we thought that this was the phone that HTC was going to release as their flagship this year. Um, they released the HTC Ultra instead in January, February, whenever that was. Um, and everyone was kind of disappointed, but HTC has said they're going to release a Snapdragon 835 powered flagship later this year. And what EV leaks leaked was a shot from sense, which is HTC's operating version of Android. Um, that showed settings for this touch side bezel. Hmm. Touch sense, I believe is what they call it. So it does look more and more, there's mounting evidence that HTC, when they release their actual flagship phone later this year, the Snapdragon 835 powered one, it may be completely buttonless. It may be this touch sensitive bezel that they use for a variety of functions. And the demo video that was leaked by you know someone that worked for them but wasn't necessarily indicative of a final product. It had some neat stuff. We talked about this. You could kind of you know scroll through web pages just by touching the the border of the phone by flicking up and down as opposed to having to actually touch the screen, which is nice because that way you can the whole screen's open. You can see the content that you're looking at, and since the fingerprint or the finger siding, if you will, the touch sensitive part was a lot smaller than the totality of the screen. You would just flip up and down, and it would go. It was kind of neat. I see some actual practical use for this, so I'm hoping, and this is something that's different from anybody else. You know, I think, again, HTC, if they release a phone that just has small bezels or something, just like Samsung and LG, there's not really a whole lot there. You know, what's the compelling reason to buy their phone? But having a completely buttonless design with these kind of touch-sensitive sides, that's something new and interesting. I could see people maybe, you know, buying into that idea, especially if they can really get across how this adds functionality um, to use an end user, which is something that Samsung still has not done with the curved sides. And it looks a lot like in concept and sounds a lot like in concept, like what Amazon did with their Kindle product, specifically with the Kindle Voyage. There is a touch sensitive portion on both sides of the display that allows you, instead of swiping across the screen with your grubby fingers, to swipe this touch sensitive area on the border to turn pages forward and backward and do various functions. And that 
really was kind of interesting to me. I, I own the Kindle Paperwhite and I do like the touch screen and I like being able to swipe up and down for certain things, but I also don't like eating my lunch while trying to use my Kindle and then trying to make sure that I don't get smudges, oils, or anything else food related on the screen of my Kindle where the Voyage, or in this case, maybe the HTC Ocean product could have a solution for that, which is really kind of cool. So interesting stuff and definitely could be a compelling differentiator for HTC, uh, not just the fact that they're the manufacturer of the fantastic Pixel phone for someone else. So They need a compelling differentiator. The HTC 10 was a great phone that no one bought. Um, their metal design that was kind of their hallmark, everyone else is kind of caught up in the premium design space. They need something, and I like this. I, I'm interested to see what they come out with. For sure, for sure. Last but certainly not least, we have quite a bit more of information about the new Samsung Galaxy S8 twins. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk tall phones. Yeah, if if you say some of the information, you mean all of the information. The leaks, it, it's insane at this point. We've seen working versions of both models, the S8 and the S8 Plus. We've seen the boxes leak with the actual specifications on them. So as a quick rundown, we have a 5.8 inch. Uh, Galaxy S8, um, that's the small one, 5.8 inch. Um, with the curved corners, they're actually coding it as 5.6 inches. Uh, 4 gig of RAM, uh, Snapdragon 835 in this market, Exynos 8895 and others. Uh, it's got the 12 megapixel camera with the 1.7 aperture. It's the upgrade of last year's uh, camera, 8, meg- 8 megapixel front-facing camera. It does have the ridiculous fingerprint scanner to the side of the camera. Mr. Bean. It's so bad. I don't know what they're doing there. But um, it does have an iris scanner, and they're saying they're going to add facial recognition, so it looks like that may be the route they're going to go. You better Um, hope so. Yeah. 64 gig of memory as a base, which is, I think, a a positive thing with SD card support. Um, We still don't know the batteries for sure. The rumors still are 3,000 milliamp hours for the small one. Uh, I've seen 3,250 through on about two, so probably somewhere in that range. Um, that's a little on the low side. I think people are a little disappointed, but, um, we'll see, uh, as Sean alluded to, they're actually using an 18.6 to, uh, nine aspect ratio. So it's, it's not two to one. It's slightly higher than that. I think it's like two point something. I don't even know. 2.6. I forget what it is. Um, to one, but as Sean alluded to again, a very tall phone, but narrow, um, compared to the galaxy S seven, it's actually just as narrow, despite the fact that the galaxy S seven had a 5.1 inch screen. Uh, but it's it's taller, um, significantly so. In my opinion, I think for big phones, taller isn't necessarily a big deal. I think the width is more important. Uh, as far as the curved edge is concerned, it's like the Note 7. So it's a less pronounced curve, which is, I think, good for everyone. Uh, the S8 Plus is a 6.2-inch uh, rounded display. They actually quoted it as 6.1-inch with the rounding off. Again, 4 gig of RAM, 64 gig base memory. Um, same tall aspect ratio, um, 64 gig. The, the specs are basically the same between the two. Batteries rumored to be 3,500 mAh or 3,750, somewhere in, somewhere in that range. Um, in other markets, they're going to release a 6 gigabyte version, specifically in Asian markets, it sounds like. Uh, people are more sensitive there to specs. Um, Sean and I have talked about this before. I mean, there are 6 gigabyte phones out there. I'm a little bit dubious whether it matters, but um, they're going to release it nonetheless. Um, Soft buttons, so no physical home button at all. As we discussed, the fingerprint scanners moved around to a horrible location in the back. But uh, the buttons that we've seen leak out are kind of ugly, um, if we're being honest. 
I'm hoping that the theming engine that Samsung has included on their phones, I think dating back to, geez, the Note 5 might have been the first, but um, the theme engine, you can buy material themes and all kinds of stuff, so I'm hoping the buttons are part of that or they're configurable. We have seen working phones with the multitask and back buttons on different sides, so it does seem to indicate that they're either trying out different combinations or they are configurable. When you're looking at these phones, they look great, in my opinion. They look super premium and very uh, well thought out. Um, you know, again, from like an OCD standpoint, which I'm always happy to provide, uh, the top and bottom bezels are the same size, which is great. And the curve of the screen matches the curve of the casing, which is not the case on the G6. And those little like attention to detail things are when you're charging the kind of money that Samsung's charging should be uh, perfect. I agree. Um, I, there's a black version of this phone that's leaked out that looks just great. It's like just as black as black can be and with that giant kind of screen that they're going to call an infinity display, I believe. Um, it does look great. It looks like something new. Uh, I'm excited for this phone. I'm going to buy the bigger one. I haven't decided if I'm going to buy the Exynos or the Snapdragon version, but um, no, it, it looks great. Um, you know, KGI, which is the big... The big uh, iPhone um, predictor, uh, what's his name? Ku, I think is his name. Min Cho Kuo, I believe. Yeah. He's predicting that they're going to see a sales decrease from the Galaxy S7. Uh, and initially, kind of when I read that, I was surprised because I actually think these will sell really well. But it turns out his prediction is based on the fact that there will be a Note 8 this year and there was no Note last year and they sold extra Galaxy S7s as a result. So in that context, it makes sense to me. Um, but yeah, the phones look great. Um they're going to release on April 21st to the 28th, one or the other. Uh, they're going to be announced on March 29th in New York. And uh, I don't know. They, they look, look like winners to me. Samsung, I really think, is this is kind of a, a, a pivotal point for them. Obviously, with the Note 7 debacle last year, they want to make sure that they make good on their brand promise of bringing to market um, some of the latest and greatest. Everything that we've seen so far seems like they're about ready to deliver on that promise. Um, the infinite black version of this phone does look incredibly cool. It looks like Batman's phone. Um, and that alone would make me want to buy it if the you know $799 price tag didn't dissuade me from it. But the engineering and technical specifications that went into this uh, I think are pretty remarkable and pretty significant and I don't think that can be understated the ridiculously weird home button placement on the back notwithstanding uh, I think these phones are really really good looking they look like phones of the future they look like the phones produced by a company that's really focusing on pushing the envelope pushing their product forward and, and trying to do some new and interesting things the only thing I'll say that I am kind of not bummed about, but just uh, interested in is last year we had the Galaxy S7 and the S7 Edge, which not only had a significant display size discrepancy, but also the curvature discrepancy. The Galaxy S7 was a flat display and the S7 Edge had the dual curved. It looked like both of the devices this year will have a dual curved edge, which if you wanted a flat display, things like the G6, uh, potentially the iPhones, potentially the Pixel may be your only options, but I don't think that would be really significant enough to dissuade anyone from buying the devices because I think uh, after you use it, you probably won't even remember what direction the display goes because they're just going to be so freaking awesome. It's going to blow you away. Yeah, I mean, look, the, the dual curve thing, actually, it does dissuade some people. People on one of the websites I'm on, they 
won't buy Samsung phones, some of them, and my wife just needed a replacement for her Note 4, and it's not a Samsung phone because she hates the curved edge. Um, so, and, you know, I miss being able to put um, tempered glass screen protectors on because none of them work for the curved edge either, believe me. I tried a few for my Note 7 when I had it. Uh, but there are a lot of positives with it, too. First of all, it looks awesome. That's not really a functional positive, but, you know, phones to some extent do have to stand out. They're kind of a fashion accessory to some degree, so if you're charging the primo money, you better look the part. Damn um, I think the other thing, too, is like the Gal... You know, the S8 Plus is a big phone. It's 159 millimeters tall, so it's about as tall as a Nexus 6P, and it's about the same height as a Apple iPhone Plus, 7 Plus, or whatever. Um, but it's a 6.2-inch screen versus 5.5-inch screens. And it's 74 millimeters uh, width, whereas the big iPhone is like 78 or 77.8 or something. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. Um, it's a really tall, narrow phone. But again, from the standpoint of they're managing to fit a 6.2-inch screen, 159 by 74 millimeter case, uh, pretty incredible from an engineering standpoint. And certainly, you know, again, we talked about phones like years ago when it was like, oh, someday we're going to have these phones without you know, without bezels and they're gonna be able to fit in these giant screens. It's like this is that, uh, we've hit that point. It'll continue to get better. They'll probably get rid of the front bezels completely at some point, but this is the first major stepping stone to be bezel reduction in a long time. And it was funny. One of the leaked pictures had a S eight, the note seven and the S eight plus all lined up. And I commented to Sean that it made the note seven look like it had huge bezels. And the Note 7 was one of the smallest bezel phones of last year. I mean, when you actually saw it in hand, it was like, wow, this is a really incredibly well-designed phone. One of the big differentiators of the Note 7 versus the Pixel was, wow, look how small the bezels are. And now already, six months later, when you look at a Note 7 next to these S8s or, you know, seven months later, whatever, it looks old already to some degree. It's incredible to me. Samsung really is, is pushing the envelope with these things. And as long as they're... Uh, avowed uh, dedication to research and making sure that the battery issues don't happen again. Uh, I think they really could have potentially a big hit, notwithstanding the fact that it's going to be out in April in the United States and the next iPhone launch won't take place until October, maybe. And to your point, you said this was going to be the last thing we discussed, but loyal listeners, I'm going to throw in an iPhone freebie for you, free of charge here at the end. Um, iPhones. Rumors have been all over the place. Um, we've been talking about this. We thought that they were going to bring out all OLED Samsung source panel iPhones this year. Then there was all these rumors that there was going to be a 5-inch OLED phone, 5.8-inch, all these things. And the rumors were all over the place. And this has been one of the harder years to actually nail down iPhone rumors. Typically, by this point in the year, we've seen the leaked design for the new one. Or we have a pretty good idea of what we're getting at. And this year had been kind of a very difficult year in doing that. So here's what the latest report says. And I think that this is probably... I think this is probably going to end up being accurate. So first of all, it sounds like there will be a 5.8-inch OLED iPhone that's going to be relatively similar in size to the existing 4.7-inch iPhone. So by getting rid of the bezels, they're going to squeeze this you know phone in. It may end up being taller a little bit, just kind of like the Galaxy S8 is. Um, but the rumor is there's going to be a 5.15-inch main screen area where you're going to do stuff. And then at the bottom is going to be this OLED strip that's a function area similar to what we saw in the new MacBook, MacBook Pros, Pros um, where it's a function area. 
you know, it'll have different different buttons and different things. It'll be like contextual, basically. Um, that would make a lot of sense. That would sort out a lot of the rumors of these different screen sizes and whatnot. It's basically the five inch and the five point eight inch are the same model. It's just two, uh, you know, two different sections of the screen, if you will. Um, now, here's where things get a little strange. The rumors are that. Apple may actually just release a 7S and a 7S Plus with the same design in the normal September time frame. And then this special edition iPhone will be called iPhone edition and may release months later for a price tag that will probably exceed $1,000. Here's my feelings on this. As we touched upon in our last kind of episode, releasing another iPhone the fourth year in a row that looks similar from a design standpoint in a year when LG and Samsung and a couple others are really pushing the envelope of design and reducing bezels seems like an incredibly strange decision to me. Uh, if you're a customer and you walk in and you see these side by side, I think that the Galaxies would look like the future phones and the Apples will look kind of antiquated. That's not even taking into account the fact that we're going to have a Note 8 that's going to have that similar bezel-less design and we'll have Pixel 2s presumably with a lot smaller bezels by then too. Releasing the same form factor, I don't know how you do it if you're them. Um, again, if I'm a consumer and I walk in and I see that phone next to the others, I, I don't see how it's going to compare. Uh, as a follow-up to that, if you have this super special edition iPhone that comes out, if you're a hardcore Apple person, why would you buy the 7S or the 7S Plus at all? Wouldn't you wait for the special edition one? $1,000 be damned, but that means you're there waiting months. And again, if they're running into these development problems, probably they're going to be in short supply. So that seems like an odd thing to do. Um, also, the rumor was there's going to be this built-in fingerprint functionality, the same as the Galaxy S8 that didn't come to fruition, but now it sounds like it's going to be facial recognition. Instead, they're using some kind of high-tech infrared cameras and some other things. And again, it's kind of delaying the process, and it's going to be expensive. Um, last thought on the Apple Edition one would be, or the iPhone Edition, excuse me. OLED screens, if you're going to have... You can divide up an OLED screen however you want. So it would be really strange to me to have a primary 5.15 inch area and then this other separate area that would be completely separate. I hope I'm not understanding the rumors correctly. You know, on a home screen that makes sense, but if you're watching media, if that little function strip was somehow still blacked out and the media didn't display on it, I don't know why you would do that. There's no technical reason on planet Earth. It would be a bizarre design decision. Yeah, the uh, first thing that came to my mind was um, Quicksilver, a while ago, the lifestyle brand uh, from California, uh, released kind of like a, an older uh, person's, older man's version of some of their clothes, and they called them Quicksilver Edition. And basically, it was just kind of like, hey, you're the 40-something guy that grew up wearing kids' clothes in Quicksilver, and now we want you to still buy our product, but we kind of took the kitty out of it and made it a little bit more Tommy Bahama. And the idea of using this iPhone edition, super premium, $1,000 plus phone, so that you can basically bake in a, a touch bar from a MacBook Pro onto your iPhone just seems asinine. Um, kind of like Sean has already mentioned, like if it if it's going to only be dedicated and contextual awareness, depending on the app, and doesn't recede if you are actually viewing multimedia, then this is a really really dumb idea, and they should scrap it and just keep the capacitive home button that they have right now because I want to see what's on my display, 
And in traditional Android fashion, all of the home buttons, if they are soft screen buttons, do recede when you are watching YouTube videos or any other kind of streaming content. When they don't need to be there, they're not there. And that's super important to me. So I think that once, hopefully, we get a little bit closer, we'll get a little bit more information that comes out about these things. And I agree with you, Sean. I hope that we're reading these things wrong because if it is what it sounds like, this would be probably a $1,000 mistake. Well, look, Apple could serve up a steaming pile of crap and people would buy it for whatever they charge. So this is true. It doesn't really matter, but we kind of gave Apple a lot of credit, even though the design stayed similar almost exactly this last go-around. They added the waterproofing. They beefed up the cameras. They they added a lot of value to the phone. Stereo where, speakers. Yeah, where we said, hey, look, I think in a lot of ways, even though people are disappointed by the design, they've caught up from a feature standpoint, and this is a really great phone. If they use that same design, though, uh, uh, considering how quickly others are moving, it's it's definitely a step back again where I go, mm, I, I'm not quite sure I can understand what the logic is here or why you would buy that device. Um, the other issue, too, is if they somehow splinter their user base or they have this kind of delayed edition that comes out months later at a much higher price, I don't know. Apple needs a home run. We've discussed this. And the iPhone edition phone, that OLED one, even if it has this separate screen where it's kind of separated, I think still is a home run. It's things can be really different looking and unique um, than anything they've ever done before. But if they release, you know, the normal 7S and the 7S Plus, release this months later, it's way more expensive. I think they're kind of cannibalizing their own sales. If it were me, I certainly would not buy the normal one. If I'm an Apple fan, I would wait and buy the nicer one regardless of when that comes out. If it's supply constrained, though, then you're going to have problems there because they're not selling as many. There's a lot of time left. We've discussed Apple rumors now on the iPhone 8 probably three times in three different pods, and things have shifted a lot. Um, the general consensus they're releasing an LED phone, for instance, has held true, but the different you know iterations of that rumor have been all over the place. I don't know what to think, but I just can't see them competing with the phones that are being released if they keep that same design for a fourth year in a row. That is just four years in the tech space is a freaking eternity. And it seems like they are maybe tempting fate a little bit with this. I mean, again, you're right. They could sell a steaming pile of dog poop and probably make a bunch of money off it. But uh, I think that there will be a lot of people whose eyes will be opened if the rumors apparently come true. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. Anything else we got before we wrap it up? Nah, it's going to be a fun year. There was a Motorola phone that leaked out uh, with a Snapdragon 835 showing like gigabyte, you know, internet, which is going to be a thing never, but, um, they like to talk about it like it is, but, uh, it had, a it had the physical home button, like the motos of the last year, but it was more like oval in shape. So some people think that may have been a leak of what they're going to show. And that's the first we've really heard about any of the Motorola flagships this year. It's, it's a very small thing and there's not a lot going on there, but, um, that's as close as we've gotten. Uh, but yeah, this year's going to be interesting um and really the floodgates are about to open with the galaxy s8 later in the month that's like i think going to be the first of the huge releases this year so poor g6 notwithstanding indeed and the announcement here is only a couple of weeks away so stay tuned to silicon theory and the silicon theory podcast will cover it all for you guys but as always you can find all of our writings at silicontheory.com. You can catch up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Silicon Theory or drop us a line at silicontheory at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you in the next one. Good night. We'll do it again soon.